Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see your smiling faces today here in person. Also, welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I don't know if you saw an additional smiling face this morning back in the drum shield, but Pastor Levinsky was back there playing drums this morning and was having way too much fun. And uh, so that was great. I have this, I have this picture of a giant smile of, uh, of him on my phone. I texted it to Mackenzie. She's at a commencement uh, ceremony this morning for her brother graduating in Mesa City. And I texted her. I was like, your husband is having way too much fun this morning in the drum shield. What a talent, man. He's such a blessing. And uh, this morning, I have Eric and I have both of our parents here uh, for the second week in a row. This is looking really good on y'all. Uh, you know, uh, y'all should try this every week. I know that from Topeka and from Memphis, it's not too far of a commute. And so uh, those of you who missed today because you're 10 minutes away, what excuse do you have, right? I mean, 11 hours and 6 hours, they're here. We'd love to see you next week. And uh, if you, you know, there's free t-shirts for you in the back. Make sure to sign up for Growth Track. We'll get you plugged in. <laughs> love it. They had, uh, we had graduation last weekend, dance recital this weekend, and they came up to be a part of that. And we just, we've enjoyed it. Glad you are here and uh, if you want to move here, we have a lot of realtors in our church that would <laughs> gladly help you find a home. All right, I'll move along. Uh, <laughs> if I were to ask this question this morning of each of you today, if I were to ask this one question, how are you, I would imagine that there would be a variety of responses, right? There would be some of you who, because you're in this room, you would make up an answer, right? There would be others of you who, uh, who would truthfully go on and on. You know, it, it's funny when somebody asks how you are and then when you tell them how you are and they glaze over, you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood what was happening here. You didn't really, you weren't really interested in how I was today. Instead, you, that was just your greeting. Why didn't you just say hello? Some of you might would answer the question with okay. Others of you would say great. Others would say, I'm excited. Some of you, I've heard this response from you. I've never been better. You know, there's one guy in our church who when I ask him, his, his response is always, living the dream. How are you doing today? Living the dream, right? That's good. Uh, some of you might say, hanging in there. Others might respond with, I'm tired. Oh, I'm just tired. It's 8.30 service, y'all. My parents made me get up and come to the 8.30 service. I'm tired. See, they're leaving now. They're like, we're so tired, we can't sit here anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love y'all. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Maybe some of you re would respond with, I'm stressed out. And then here's, here's a common one, right? How are you doing today? Oh, I'm busy. Just so busy. There are multiple enemies or distractions that keep us from discovering our unique identity and mission and staying in it. And I believe that the greatest enemy is hurry, busyness, and the grind. I believe it's the greatest weapon or threat that faces you and I when it comes to living lives of depth, 
of identity, of mission, and of belonging. So this will either keep us from understanding and knowing who we are or what I'm supposed to be doing or will constantly be trying to pull me out of what we're supposed to be doing. And so this morning, we're going to talk about this great weapon that's levied against us. And if you're mindful of this weapon, then you can be on the defense against it. If you're mindful of it, my guess is as, we, as I go uh, along in this message today, that it's going to resonate with some of you because we all feel it. We all feel it. Sometimes we just don't know what to do with it. And so this morning, we're going to talk about it. And before we dive in, I want to do a, a quick recap of what we've been talking about over the past few weeks in this series. Erica and I last year had the opportunity to go to the Village Church in Dallas, Texas, and we heard one of the messages in this series, and we just heard how great it was and just excuse me, knew that this is a, a series that needed to be preached here, and so we've taken this series and personalized it for our congregation, and it's been fun to hear over the last few weeks the impact that it's been having on your lives. This series is called Unearth, and if you've missed any of these messages, I would encourage you to find us on YouTube or Facebook or Spotify and take a listen to the previous messages. In this series, we've talked about three level of identities. The first level of identity is that we're human beings, right? We all uh, are, are worthy of respect and dignity because we are created in the image of God. The second layer of identity is our general identity where we are either children of God or children of wrath. This has everything to do with how we respond to the work and the person of Jesus. People who have confessed Jesus as Lord are children of God and those who haven't are children of wrath. So this morning, if you think that you're a better God than God and, and you know what he says and you don't care, uh, then, then you're a child of wrath. If you say, I don't care what God wants me to do, I just want to do what I want to do, that's child of wrath stuff right there. If your means of identity formation is to look into the deepest desires of your heart as deceptive as they are and then find a community that's going to support that and then look up and, and sprinkle a little bit of religion on top of that or spirituality, that's child of wrath stuff right there. And as children of God, we reject that form of discovering identi our identity. We don't look in and out and up to discover who we are and who God's created us to be. Instead, we just look up. We look to God to, to figure out who we are and how he's created us. There are some of you who bristle when I say child of wrath, and I just want to say it again. Christ came to save you from that. And so if you choose to be a child of wrath, that isn't on him. It's on you. It's on you for choosing to be a child of wrath. The third category of identity, and we've looked at this for several weeks, is specific identity. There is only one of you and you are incredible. And I don't say that this morning so that you can think about yourself as how awesome that you are. Instead, I say it so that you can stand in awe and marvel at how awesome God is. That from the beginning of creation, he has had you in mind through the gospels, through your life, he has formed you and shaped you to be uniquely you. He's made you for the days and the days for you. We talked about how each one of us has been uniquely wired by God and uniquely placed by God for this moment. We've talked about how God wants to redeem what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. He wants to weaponize things from your past to put a whooping on the enemy. And for the past two weeks, we've been talking about how each has been given unique talents and abilities, and we don't all have the same talents and abilities. 
Part of our job as followers of Jesus is to do the, the deep work to discover those gifts and abilities. Some of those gifts and abilities are associated uh, with how we've been wired from birth. Others are given at salvation, and those are spiritual gifts. Pastor Dan mentioned that today in the church calendar is Pentecost Sunday, right? Today is the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the early church, and they experienced something they had never experienced, and they were able to do something they had never done, and they were empowered to be his witnesses, Right, And the work of the Holy Spirit is still active in our lives today, not so that we have some trophy to put up on a shelf or some sticker that we wear or some badge, but instead the Holy Spirit came to empower us to be his witnesses. As we take, think about the 12,000 people within a 10-mile radius of our church who don't go to church, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. As Pastor Dan prayed for a country that I can't even pronounce this morning, we prayed for unreached people group. I think the statistic was 70% of the population are completely unreached in that nation. We are to be empowered by his spirit. And so there's this combination of physical and supernatural gifts that make you you, and to discover this requires deep work over time and community. And so let's dive in this morning to what I believe is the biggest threat to seeing any of this happen, either discovering your unique identity and mission or staying in it. And the enemy to that, again, is busyness. It's the grind. John Mark Comer says, hurry is violence on the soul. Hurry is violence on the soul. We can all feel it. If you're fatigued and in a fog this morning, this message isn't meant to shame you. Instead, we're going to have this conversation together. We all have to fight against busyness. My wife and I have two kids who have been involved in all kinds of activities, and up until a few years ago, and you say, well, what changed? They got their license. That's what changed, right? Up until a few years ago, we felt like taxi cab or Uber service, right? Driving our kids here, there, and everywhere from one event to another. The past two weeks have been unbelievably busy. We had uh, a death in, in the family, we had a graduation, and then we had a funeral, and then we had a dance recital this weekend, and I just think it's comical that this message would fall in this period of time, right? That it didn't fall eight weeks ago, but instead that I would be preaching about busyness today while also having to try to live it out in the midst of the craziness that's happened the last two weeks. How many can relate? Okay, y'all are like, early and in. What is he going to say today? I got to have it. So the busyness of pastoring this great growing church and the busyness of family activities and trying to squeeze in time with my wife and squeeze in time with the kids, how many know that the calendar just continues to fill up? Those of you who are parents who try to be intentional with your kids, you know that if you don't put it on the calendar, it's not going to happen, right? Something else is going to fill that space. And so we all feel it, and I'm not telling you this morning that I have it all figured it out, that I figured all of it out. I figured some of it out, and I think we can all work together on this. I don't think that the world's normal has to be our normal, right? Just because everybody else is running at an unhealthy, unsustainable pace doesn't mean that we should, right? We should not admire that. We shouldn't set that up as the, the goal to be attained. Instead, we should follow after what God has for us, and one of the things he has for us is Sabbath. Just because everyone else is maxed out and stressed out doesn't mean that we have to be. Sharon Miller said, for many of us, the only time we're silent is at night. That's why worry and fear mob us in darkness. 
Those anxieties were with us all day, but we were too busy and distracted to search them in the company of Jesus. Can I tell you one of the things that's happened in my life is I have grown to appreciate silence. Some of you parents of young kids are like, oh, that, that's possible. <laughs> I remember as a kid that when we get home, the TV would be on. In the car, the radio is on. I mean, anywhere that I was at, there, was, there had to be something in the background. And now there are oftentimes when I'll be on a trip and the radio won't even be on, right? It'll just be the silence in my truck. And, and, and I'm just like, oh, this is great. But for too many of us, we're scared of the silence. We're not used to it. It's awkward for us. I want to encourage you this morning to embrace the silence. Not just at night, but find space throughout the day where you can have some silence and some quiet in your life and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Life can endlessly pile on itself until the whole experience of being alive melts into one enormous obligation. If we forget to rest, number one, we're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. I mean, you know, that's a sin to do that. We, we don't want to live in sin. Secondly, we'll work too hard and forget more tender mercies. We'll forget to play. When was the last time that you played? Man, it got quiet. They're like, play, what's that? Like, we work, that's what we do. When was the last time that you played? Why do we move so fast away from play? If we get sucked into the busyness of life, we'll forget to play. We'll forget those we love. We'll forget our children and friends and lose our natural wonder. John Mark Comer again said, we feel distant from ourselves. He's speaking of busyness. He says, we lose sight of our identities and our calling. We get sucked into the tyranny of the urgent, not the important. Mark chapter 2, verse 27 talks about how the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. And more than rules and regulations, God is after our hearts. The Sabbath is about our heart. It's about finding space to remember that we're human and not a machine. It's about realizing that we're loved not by what we produce or what we do, but because we are children of God bought with the blood of Jesus. We live in a world where busy is kind of a status symbol. People are overly busy. And I'll just tell you, eight, eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, when I became the pastor of this church, I have tried to the best of my ability to not use that word in my vocabulary. And one of the reasons why I've moved away from that word, because I used to, when people say, how are you? Busy. And then I realized when, when I respond with busy, what I've just communicated to all of you is I don't have time for you. And so I, I'm not saying I've been perfect at this, but I've tried to eliminate that word. Like, I, I just look at all of us and assume that all of us are busy. And so I don't need to tell you that. And so, uh, so when people say, I know you're busy, and I just stop. I am, but I'm available, right? And I think that's just some good stuff for all of us today. Um, Let's move along. People are overly busy. What's the solution? Number one, deep peace is found when we embrace our humanity and we embrace our unique calling. You can't figure out your unique calling and your unique identity, nor can you belong deeply if life is moving a thousand miles an hour. It is impossible. And some of you think that you can't slow down from your pace, and it's the tyranny of the urgent, and if you would slow down, you would see that some of the things that you think are vitally important right now and critically urgent simply aren't that important. 
Some of you are going at a pace that's pushed your relationships with your spouse and kids to the side, and if you don't slow down, you're going to lose them. Some of you are going at a pace that if you don't slow down, you're going to crash and burn. And maybe for some of you, if you don't slow down, it's going to kill you. Right? We're not machines. We're humans. When the Bible talks about humanity, it's really honest. I'm going to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. There are phrases like you're a vapor here and in the mor- a vapor here and in the morning and give in the afternoon, gone in the afternoon. Here's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number one through eight. It's gonna appear on the screen, and then I'm also gonna interrupt uh, this as we read along here, so you'll see what's in the Bible, and then some as I just uh, talk about some of these verses. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. The author is saying here that if you live long enough, there will come a day when you hate the fact that you have to wake up in the morning. And then it gets more detailed, and he says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble. That's a reference to if you've ever been around really old men and women, which doesn't include any of you because you're all very young, I love saying to my wife, I'm like, baby, we've, we've gotten old. And she's like, we're not old. Uh, she's like, I'm a spring chicken. I say, you're a sprung chicken, you know, <laughs> like, uh, like uh, all of us, including my wife, is a spring chicken, right, baby? And so none of you <laughs> have reached that age. But the body trembles, and it says, and the strong men are bent. That's talking about your legs and your back. And it says, the grinders cease because they are few. It's talking about your teeth. And those who look through windows are dimmed. That's talking about eyesight. And I'll just tell you, that's getting personal. Right? It's getting real personal. Eight and a half years ago, I preached to you from an iPad mini. Now I preach to you from an iPad maxi with 18-point font. Right? Uh, (laughs) It says, in the doors, verse number four, in the doors on the street are shut. This is referencing hearing. And at 41, I find myself saying, huh, more than what I want to. And I can only blame it on, the, on mumbling kids for so long, right? Till eventually you just realize that the hearing is starting to fail. As some of you hear about the body, you're like, oh, I must stink to get old. <laughs> Glad I'm not. Others are like, I get all of that. I feel it all. But at some point, all of us, if we continue to live, are going to grow old, and these passages are going to describe us. It says, when the sound of grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird, it's talking about sleeplessness. And it says, and all the daughters of song are brought low, and they're afraid also of what's high. That's God. And verse number five continues, in terrors in the way, the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along. What once was fast now moves slower. It says, and desires fail. That's talking about sexual desire. The verse continues, and here's what I I want you to catch this morning. It's coming for all of us, and and it's this, that the hope is, is that as our physical being kind of does this, that our wisdom does the opposite, right? As As our physical being begins to decline, that our wisdom would increase, 
A number of years ago, Jacob was at the gym, and he had loaded up a, 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 a bar of weights. See, I go so frequently, I can't even think of the terminology. He had loaded up a bar full of weights, 425 pounds, and he deadlifted that. And then he looks at me and he says, Dad, it's your turn. I said, I don't, not today. I don't think so. And he said, I told you I was stronger than you. I said, yeah, but I'm smarter. Right? I don't have anything to prove. I don't need to deadlift 425 pounds to impress a 16-year-old boy. Like, I don't care. Have at it. Put 500 pounds on there. I still want to be able to walk tomorrow and the next day. Show up on a Sunday morning. What'd you do? I showed my boy I could lift 425 pounds. The goal is that we would grow in wisdom even as the body begins to fade. And some of you are thinking that you're decades away from this list, and, and you might be. But the reality is, is the body is more frail than you think it is. You're a human being, and if you don't sleep, the body's going to break down. If you don't eat, the body's going to break down. If you don't move, you're going to break down. And the verse continues because... Man is going to his eternal home. This is our hope. We eagerly await that day. It says, and the mourners go about the streets, verse number six, before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And then we look at James chapter 4, verse number 13. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. This is the Bible saying to us, what do we really know? You have these big plans and you don't have the capacity to control the outcomes. You have a finish line that probably doesn't exist. And the Bible's kindly trying to draw us into what it means to be human. That's what we are. We are finite creatures. It's the second time I've done that. Finite creatures made by a good creator God. We're not God. That might surprise some of you this morning. Right, God doesn't sleep, he doesn't slumber. God's not given gifts by humans that he might repay any of them. No one has known the mind of the Lord or been able to be the Lord's counselor. But you and me, we need counsel, we need rest, we need sleep, we need slumber. And I wonder for all of us what it would be like to embrace this and not take on more than is humanly possible. I wonder if the sheer amount of sleeplessness and anxiety and feeling overwhelmed and feeling inadequate, being sad and angry and hopeless, feeling incompetent and guilty is tied actually to an attempt to be super, superhuman rather than just be human. I wonder how much is tied to feeling like you've got to be some sort of varsity Christian rather than just settling into being a child of God. Listen, I believe in the grind. I believe in working hard and doing our best because time is short. But we can't do any of this at the expense of our soul. Maybe this is what Sabbath is all about. Some of you are like, I hear what you're saying, but my life is just in chaos. 
Maybe some of you would say, Pastor, no offense, but you just really don't know what it's like to be such a big deal like I am. Because in my world, if I don't show up, it's just going to fall apart. Luke chapter 5, verse 15, talking about Jesus, says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Are you a bigger deal than Jesus? I think we would all agree that Jesus is a big deal. Jesus, son of God incarnate, knows to live life out of fullness and not depletion. And so what does he do? When his ministry is blowing up, great crowds are gathering to be healed of their infirmities. There are people waiting for demons to be cast out of them. It's a big deal, yet Jesus takes time to slip off and to spend time in stillness with the Father. Erica's grandmother passed away last week. And as I talked with one of my mother-in-law Susan's sisters, she talked about how her mom loved serving people, loved doing things. But her sister Karen talked about how her mom also uh, would just be. And how they enjoyed the time of doing, but also just enjoyed the time of her being there. And I think for many of us as followers of Jesus, we're not comfortable with being. We're comfortable with doing. And so our relationship with Jesus is all about what we do for him, not in just being with him and in him. And the invitation is for us to be in the stillness, in the quiet, to quiet our souls and our minds to be with him. Jesus continually got a way to spend time with the Father. And I'm not trying to compare any of our busyness and importance to Jesus. I, I know that what we're talking about here is tough stuff. This is why I think it, and know that we've got to do the deep work over a long period of time in community. And I think maybe some of the fear for some of you and why it's important for us to do deep work over time in community is because you're afraid that if you don't show up, you're going to get replaced. And it haunts you. The thought of rejection the thought of realizing that you aren't needed anymore, these are the things that are at play when we're moving so fast and we can't see it. And what would happen if, if you would look at that and bring it into the presence of Jesus and talk about what that is and why that's there and allow him to do the deep heart work? We've gotta embrace our humanity. We have to embrace our unique calling. And when we embrace that unique calling, it helps us focus on what God has asked us to do and not get sidetracked going in a thousand different directions with no purpose. Now, obviously, as followers of Jesus, there are times when, not times, our whole lives, we need to have servants' hearts and a willingness to do whatever he's asking us to do in that moment, right? There's that. But if we aren't careful, we'll get so, uh, if we're not careful and we're not focused, then we'll end up doing things that don't make a difference. And as we discover our unique calling, then we can focus on what we're willing to give ourselves for. Last week, we talked about uh, all, all of us have different gifts and talents. There are some of you who are gifted in areas that I'm not, and I cheer you on in that. It's incredible, honestly. 
One of Erica's cousins commented this past week that I did a great job at her grandmother's funeral. And I said, thank you. And she said, uh, you just you do such a good job. And I said, yeah, well, you know, you do such a great job as a nurse. And so she said, I could never do what you do. And I said, I could never do what you do. So how about you take care of these people and I'll bury them. I don't know why that didn't hit the way that I thought it would hit. My wife told me not to say it. And I thought I worded it in such a way that was better, but apparently not. She just looked at me like, did you really just say that? And I did, I really did say that. So she has a gift and I have a gift, right? So let the nurses take care of people until their final days and then I'll gladly preach your funeral in such a way that glorifies God. So if you wanna have a great funeral, live a great life right? And so make it easy for me to do your funeral. Don't make me stand up here on this stage and be like, oh, well, they, they love their hobbies. I saw them a few times a year, but boy, did they love their hobbies. They, they said this was their church. Come on, don't do that to me, right? Let your faith be lived out loud in such a way that when you die, it's a presentation of the gospel, that we have a hope that this is just a shell of a body, that the Spirit has gone for eternity to heaven with Jesus. Right? We all have different giftings and abilities. And if, if we're so tired and exhausted, then we cannot fulfill what God has for us. If we don't take care of ourselves, then we can't fulfill what God has for us. And, and look, I realize that there are seasons. I remember a couple of years ago, Erica and I were walking on the bridge over Waverly. We did Lover's Loop. She was walking me. And um, and she was just saying, look, you need to take some time off. And I just said to her, I said, listen, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. What do, you, what do you want me to do? And she goes, I know. I, I know that you didn't, you couldn't control any of that. And there was really nothing that you could do about it. So here's what I'm trying to say to us this morning. Is we recognize that there are seasons. Even in se- seasons, we need to take Sabbath. Right? But we recognize that there are seasons. But there are some of you in here this morning who are delusional. You're calling a lifestyle of years of unhealth and dysfunction a season. That's not a season. For it to be a season, it has to have a start and an end, right? And there are some of you who need to end some stuff today. I beg you this morning to stop the cycle, to get off of the hamster wheel for just a moment and pause. Last year I took an extended vacation and some of you are like, well, good for you must be nice. Look, I get it, right? But I was grateful for it, and I took advantage of it. And here are some things that I did. I got a different cell phone. I didn't check email. I didn't text. I didn't check social media. And for that time that I was away, I checked out. And it was so helpful. And some of you are like, there's no way that I could do that. What can you do this morning? Maybe you could shut your phone off for five minutes. That'd be a start. Maybe for a day, maybe for a week, 
Like, what is it for you that would help you step aside from the crazy cycle that you're in right now and discover in community, doing deep heart work, what God has wired you for and his purpose and the things that are important and what you're willing to lay down your life for and what you're not. So now I can think that I'm important. And when I was gone, I realized I'm not as important as I think I am, right? More of you showed up while I was gone than have been coming the weeks prior, right? I'm not even making this up. You gave more money while I was gone than when I was here. And so I just wonder for some of you who think that, and you are, right? But you think that you're so important that if if you take a break for a moment, that it's gonna fall apart. Can I just encourage you this morning, it's not. Let's trust God. Let's take Sabbath. Let's take a step today to push pause and reflect on how we can slow down enough so that when we look back on this race of faith, we don't look back with regret, but instead we look back with gratitude. Today is Pentecost Sunday. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he told people to wait, to wait for a gift he wanted to give them. What a thought for us, that there would be a Sabbath, that there would be a rest, that there would be a waiting for the gift that the Father had promised. And look what happened in Acts chapter 2. Many of you know what your physical gifts are. You've explored your spiritual gifts, and I just want to tell you today, let's slow down. Let's have some moments of quiet with the Father. Let's wait on Him, and let's allow Him to speak to our hearts. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? Maybe there are some of you who've come in today, and you're not a follower of Jesus. You're a child of wrath, and you say, today I realize that that's on me, and I want to change that. I want to become a child of God. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on Him. You say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to Him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to Him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Let's all stand. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand online or here in person, I'd encourage you to repeat this prayer after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. 
going to ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998 if you raise your hand. Again, if you'll text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made in the journey that God wants to take you on. So I want to pray for us today. I would imagine, I'm telling you, like for me, I, I don't personally enjoy preaching messages that I have to live by. Right? I don't personally enjoy having the accountability of hundreds of people going, hey, you know, didn't you preach that? Uh, but we've got to live it out. And so I, I hope that for some people in the room this morning that that really this is a, a word of encouragement for some to continue to do what you're doing, to have healthy rhythms and cycles. And maybe for others of you, it's a really strong caution to just realize that there are some things in your life that need to change. And so I hope that today you'll have the courage to tell somebody, right, I just preached it all in front of you. I told somebody, right? So for you to have the courage to tell somebody, look, I, I need you to hold me accountable in this area. Don't lose those who are closest to you in the things that you value the most because you didn't heed these words. Your body's gonna start failing. Let your mind grow sharper, right? Take Sabbath. So I'm gonna pray. Prayer team's gonna move up to the front here on each side. Worship team's gonna lead us in a song. If you come here today needing prayer for anything, I would encourage you in just a moment to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love for us this morning. We thank you for your grace that even when we miss the mark, that your love finds us. Lord, there are some in this room, me included, who have missed the mark in some of what's been preached about today. So we start from a place of repentance and we say, God, we're sorry. And then our next posture is help us. And so God, I, I thank you for the rhythms that you've been able to help me establish, especially over the last couple of years. I pray that you would help me to continue that. And I pray for those this morning who have lied to themselves and who've told themselves that they're in, in, in a season, a season that hasn't ended, that today that, that you would just shine a light clearly on that. That they would pause for just a moment, that they would step off the hamster wheel for just a moment and take a look at their life and a look at what they're doing. God, I pray that you would begin to reveal some things that could be lifted off of people's plates other people that they could invite in to help them. So that ultimately, as they take a step back and pause for a moment, that they can fulfill the purpose and the call and the destiny that you've placed, that they can discover the gifts that you have for them. Lord, I pray that as we slow down and as we pause, that not only would you enable us to continue to discover and utilize our physical giftings, but you would give us spiritual giftings above our natural ability. And that in this next season that we would see hundreds and thousands of people come to know you because your believers have been empowered by your spirit to be your witnesses. Go with us from here today in Jesus' name. God, I pray one more thing over people. 
God, for those that this morning, that this message has just brought some guilt and shame to it, that wasn't the purpose. And so, Lord, I pray for those that are in that place that today would, would be, a, a, that they would look inward, confess where areas have been wrong, confess that to you, and that the guilt and shame would be gone, and instead, they would walk in the new way that you have for them, and the freedom and the pace that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.